So announcement day. First of all, thanks everyone for sticking with us all these years. I just wanted to let you know out the gate that we aren't going anywhere. We have a number of episodes in this arc coming out and in the can already, and we're going to stick with 5e for the remainder of this arc. However, after this arc, we will be shifting gears. Our plan as of now is to not only switch the story, but also the system, obviously, um, with this nonsense that's going on nothing's in stone but our loose blueprint as of now is that we will be trying different settings and systems this way we can tell a variety of stories and also you can learn about some systems along the way and learn with us the plan as of now is to do something like a sci-fi western using the cypher system traveler cyberpunk gurps battletech powered by the apocalypse blades in the dark masks fate all of those have been discussed, and we've all talked about those as possible options for the future as well. So we're looking into all of that. Um, we're going to also shift to shorter campaign formats, and this will really allow new listeners the opportunity to figure out what they want to listen to and can pick us up a little more easily. So for the next few weeks, we'll have Tux Edge material come out, which will allow us the opportunity to get the final arc built up. Then, once we conclude that, we should hopefully have some runway to get a few episodes of the next campaign rolling at the same time. So, enjoy what happened at Tux Edge Part 8 today, and we'll return to Crux in the next few weeks. Thanks. We really love you all. We really appreciate you sticking by us and listening. And, um, yeah, stay tuned. Dunsmere woke. Mud molded to him. Early morning dew encased him. Six unconscious bodies of Kaitotan were scattered around him. The bodies were all dressed in the clothing of Tux Edge citizens. The seven of them were all in some sort of rehabilitation area, set aside for new converts. It wasn't much more than a mud pit. The early morning moonlight revealed his skin's new hue. Dunsmere understood the implication. His embrace of Theos was too little, too late. He was a convert, like those around him. Even the part of his soul where Valiant lived was now vacant. The steed's absence removed any doubt about the extent of Dunsmere's apostasy. Though, he countered his train of thought, the priestly orders of St. Allegis approached Theos by reforging broken people. Dunsmere was a former paladin, now turned apostate and demon, such a person should be someone the followers of the Great Reforger would accept again. Halt, a voice spoke in Kaitotan. A guard overlooked the rehabilitation grounds, towering over the sacrificial table. Single sword, no shield. He was almost seven feet tall. Once, that may have been daunting. The former paladin smiled in appreciation of his new form. The Kaitotan no longer possessed reach advantage. A heavy fox fur cloak was the only armor the guard wore. Dunsmere was cold, and his desire for the albino cloak sealed the guard's fate. Halt, new one, the Kaitotan said again. A lust to fall in line and wait for further instruction washed over Dunsmere. It was an odd experience. Only by the grace of Theos had Dunsmere not cut the throat of his superiors for the majority of his life. His response to this command was different. Obeying would fill the hole Valiant left. Dunsmere knew if he obeyed, he would forever have the safety of following orders. Authority could be blindly trusted, 
He would never worry about the next day, for each day was for the glory of Murat Hull and the Kai Totan. His life was for the Kai Totan. The last time he felt this way was at Kringle Falls. Memories of the seminary and his time on the grounds tackled his mind. He was part of the paladin arm of St. Eligius. They were unbeatable. They were unstoppable. Of course, he spent most of that time focused on leaving. As Elaine Nalo said, some of us know how to team up, do a few big things. On your own, you're going to do a lot more things done. They'll just be smaller. Elaine was a bishop now. Dunsmere was a demon, but not for long. What could show the glory for Theos more than going from paladin to demon back to paladin? With a defiant foot, Dunsmere stepped ahead. The draw he felt let him know there was magic in the guard's words. Dunsmere needed to close the gap before the guard could make another arcane utterance. Dunsmere felt as if he were in a dream. Each step was a great stride. He was in a foreign body, leaping to fight an armed mage while wearing torn clothing and weaponless. Yet, he felt no fear in this action. These new red hands could crush a skull, he was sure. He didn't want to make too much of a mess, however. Blood would be impossible to clean out of the snow fox fur. Halt. Panic appeared on the guard's face as Dunsmere stepped forward. I like your cloak, Dunsmere said in the Kai Totan tongue. He leapt forward, arms wrapped around the guard. Dunsmere drove him to the ground. From the guard's chest, Dunsmere brought down his fist. A bolt of fire shot from the guard's hand into Dunsmere. From his back, he gasped for air. What were you thinking, well? A kick to the ribs. Dunsmere stood and leapt again. This guard easily sidestepped Dunsmere's attempt. I will teach you your place. Halt. The magically infused words had no effect on Dunsmere this time. Mud in his hand, he threw it at the guard, then wrapped the guard in his arms. They tumbled down the hill into the pit. The guard lost his sword along the way. Mud completely covered the snow fox cloak, and it was heavy with puddle water. Such a shame. A magic incantation was on the guard's lips. Dunsmere dove past the Kaitotan. He wrapped the head of the magic user in his own waterlogged cloak. Dunsmere tightened the fox fur. The guard struggled. Dunsmere prayed as he gripped with all of his might. After an eternity, Dunsmere felt the windpipe snap. The guard gurgled his last breath. Dunsmere dragged the body far from the light of the war camp's flames to the blackness of the rehabilitation pit. He removed the soldier's clothing and dressed. The uniform was comfortable, a second skin, the sword an extension of his person. Dunsmere froze, movement behind him. He heard a gasp, another dying breath. A kaitotan Dunsmere knew, even without looking. No feeling of loss, just an acknowledgement that she was gone. He risked a look over his shoulder. A small figure was hunched over the body of another recently converted. From the converted's clothes, Dunsmere thought it was either Thomas Pearson or Kelvin Uttershot. As people, Dunsmere had trouble telling them apart. Now that they were Kaitotan, it was impossible. A flash of purple light broke through the darkness. It was so quick, Dunsmere almost didn't see it. The magical light was familiar. Was 
Annabella killing the converted? She was certainly capable of doing so if half of the stories Baldo told him were true. Dunsmere respected her ruthlessness, even if he didn't approve of her methods. Annabella. The words were out of his mouth before he realized what he was doing. The sight of anyone from Tuck's Edge, but especially family, was horrifying and comforting. The figure looked up from the forgettable man's corpse. Dunsmere felt the life extinguish as well. No pity for the individual Kaito town, but there was a shadow of sorrow that grasped at his soul. Oh, that's a nice trick, demon. Annabella lunged at Dunsmere, her blade alight with purple magic. This new body was fast. A step to the side and a hip check. Annabella was off balance. It's me, Annabella, I swear. I'm not a kite, a, a demon. Could have fooled me, you fiendish bastard. Annabella's blades came within a hair of Dunsmere's nose. He might die, you realized. She was certain he was the enemy. Baldo's birthday, Dunsmere yelled. What? The incoherent nature of the statement stopped Annabella. For his last birthday, you gave him a clockwork butler to take care of the house when you were off trading so he wouldn't have to and he could fish in his spare time. Annabella didn't stop again, but she slowed. But you didn't know that a lich used the clockwork body to store its soul, so it ended up trying to kill Baldo and destroyed the brand new oven you recently had delivered from Ephelweir. Annabella stopped. With a cautious step, she looked into his eyes. All right. I can see you in there. You don't have the look of the others. With that, she drove her blade through the throat of a sleeping Hilda Tunnisberg. Sorry, Hilda. Why do you have to kill them? What if there's a cure? These are our neighbors and friends. It's war, Dunny. You know that. I know Tuck's Edge can make a person soft, but we have to do what we have to do. I bet Hilda and Gregor... Wait, that was Gregor Mitzvah? Wasn't it? I thought it was Thomas Pearson or Calvin Uttershot. Annabella stopped. Huh. You know what? I don't know. I thought it was Gregor, but yeah, that could have been Thomas Pearson or Calvin Uttershot. Even for humans, they all looked alike. No offense. None taken. I completely agree. They smiled. I've scattered out the command tent. There's a stock of food that's ready to be destroyed in that large line of wagons to the north, and the rest of the camp seems less ready for a siege and more for an assault. The only thing I haven't seen is that dragon. At the mention of the great beast, Dunsmere's stomach clenched and his heart pounded. The size of the beast, the ease with which it moved him, how powerless he was in the creature's claw. Are you all right there, Dunny? The demon nature taken over? The casual manner in which Annabella hefted her blade let him know she would end his existence in an equally casual manner. No, no, nothing like that. Just the dragon. Scary as hell. Let's go kill some people. I think we should head back into Tuck's Edge, his thoughts turning to Mother Charlore. You're going to do those people a lot more good if we can kill that Marat Hall bastard, or at least destroy their food stock and cause a little chaos. There was truth in what she said. This seems somewhat suicidal. Eh, you're either going to die within the walls or out here. Might as well kill a few of them along the way. Slow them down. Prevent a few more conversions. I think I should be with Charlore. I bet you do. But Charlore got along just fine without you for a long time. I think she'll be fine without you now. 
especially if you can help her in the meantime. What do you have in mind? Not complex. I want to see if we can get a bead on Marat Hull first. Then if we can't get him directly, we destroy as much as we can. Charlure held up her bag. Inside were vials of what Dunsmere can only call liquid explosions. One of these will destroy your person. Nothing but a soul after. Barely even ash after this stuff explodes. You think we can take down a magical dark lord like Marat Hall with this? Dunno. But we're gonna kill a lot of his servants either way. Annabella drove a blade into Kringus McGillicuddy's throat. The town drunk turned Kai Totan, shuddered as he died. Rain returned as they made their way through the dark. Annabella was almost one with the shadows. The Divine had no interest in Annabella, or she with it, but her magic was strong. A small hill provided them cover, and a height advantage. The rear of the camp did not have many guards to Dunsmere's surprise. The general's tent was lavish, the only lavish item throughout the whole Kaitotan army. Lavishness wasn't efficient to the Kaitotan, and therefore not within their nature. However, those who earned their place in the world deserved the fruits of their effort. That was how the Kaitotan thought. Marat Hall and two scribes stood over a large wooden table covered with maps and scrolls. Rain bounced off the canvas awning, the retinue below safe from the environment. Wind howled. Dunsmere strained to hear through the elements. They were speaking their own language, and Dunsmere felt a warmth as he heard the Kai Totan tongue. The warmth reminded him of seeing Tuck's Edge on the horizon for the first time in decades. It reminded him of seeing Charlure, her touch, her smell. It made him think of Alice, Kierkin, Carling Bear, and Tapper. The realization he wouldn't experience his perfect life again shook him. Dunsmere reached into himself for comfort. He went to where Valiant resided, but found it still empty. A prayer went to Theos. The paladin knew there were now boundaries between him and his deity. He prayed with ferocity. Annabella elbowed his ribs, drawing his attention back to the camp. In the mud was a stone the size of a bread loaf. The stone formed the base of a magical door. A violent aura shredded the darkness. Dunsmere and Annabella hugged the ground. Dunsmere focused his ears as best he could through the night's torrent. Through the magical door appeared a scribe. The scribe was bringing news about Murat Hall's daughter. The child had fallen victim to the men of dirt who freed the Dark Lord. Dunsmere wasn't sure who these men of dirt were, but he wanted to find them and make them pay for releasing such an evil on the world. There was an ugly delight in the paladin's chest when he heard the Dark Lord's cries. They were cries of true loss. Dunsmere couldn't help but find joy in knowing Marat Hull could feel pain. The Dark Lord screamed a word Dunsmere did not recognize. A screech tore through the heavy clouds. Even through the cacophonous lightning, war camp, and wind, the sound froze Dunsmere's soul. It was the scream of a dragon. If he lived long enough to sleep again, he knew that sound would haunt his dreams. 
Dunsmuir pressed himself into the ground. The rain stopped for a moment as the creature flew overhead. Dunsmuir chanted a silent prayer, not to reach out to Theos, but to focus his mind away from his terror. He couldn't run, and he couldn't scream. That would kill Annabella as well as himself. The words of the prayer formed objects in his mind. These objects consumed his focus, pushing out all terror. The waves of panic subsided. Dunsmere could think once again. Do you understand them? Annabella whispered at him. She'd been oblivious to his terror. Good. Ears strained. Dunsmere could make out a few words. Marat Hull was getting the location of his daughter's body from the scribe. Dunsmere whispered the translation to Annabella. As soon as the scribe finished, Marat Hall drove his blade through the messenger's chest. The dragon's maw encased the scribe's head. Then the scribe's body was in the air. The body flew through the rain, landing with a squish a few yards south of Annabella and Dunsmere. Look at the wrist, Annabella said. There was a small carved bone with five magical lights across it. What is it? It's a key. How he opened the portal? We get that. We can do some serious damage to these bastards and get you back to your girlfriend. Rushing wind forced them both to the ground. Dunsmere closed his eyes, praying to Theos once more as Marat Hall drove the dragon overhead. As the Dark Lord sought his vengeance and disappeared into the clouds, Annabella chuckled. Well, that's nice. Why don't I cause a distraction while you grab that key off the scribe? Then we hit their supplies and a few random spots along the western wall. Do you know how the key works? Annabella smiled. I may have used them once or twice before. From her cloak, Annabella pulled out an arrow. Then one of the vials with the exploding fire, which she attached to the shaft using a small piece of leather. You're not going to hit much of anything in this rain. The arrow was to her cheek. The shadows hugged Annabella as if to hide her from the war camp light. I'm not too concerned with accuracy, Dunny. The arrow whistled through the general's tent. It dropped short of the scribes and struck the wood table. A plume of fire billowed out from under the awning. Pharaoh's damn everything, Dunsmere said as a wave of heat pressed against his face. I may have stolen a recipe from a priest of St. Crowley, Annabella said. Get the key. I have distractions to make. Then she was off into the shadows. Dunsmere climbed over the small embankment. He slid through the mud. Headless, the scribe's body pumped blood, mixing into a pool of rainwater. The leather strap attached to the scribe's wrist was soaked through. The knot was reinforced by the elements. Dunsmere pulled a dagger from the scribe's belt and began to cut the strap. A force of wind, a crack of thunder, and Dunsmere was on his back. He rolled through the pooling rainwater. Coughing, he crawled to his hands and his knees. Each breath hurt. But he could breathe. Of course there would be a magical trap on something as important as that key. Charlour would probably know a spell to remove the trap. Baldo could quickly figure a way of removing the strap. Dunsmere wasn't sure. 
If he didn't undo the knot, Dunsmere wondered if he could bypass the trap. He brought his sword down above the scribe's wrist. The sword bit through the flesh. An explosion as two cargo wagons were engulfed. A second swing of the sword separated the hand from the wrist. Dunsmere grabbed the scribe's hand and the key fell from the wrist into the mud. Flinging the hand into the night, Dunsmere grabbed the key. One of the remaining scribes stood in front of the paladin. Smoking from the explosion as its skin still bubbled from the heat, the scribe leveled a staff at him. Magical energy erupted through Dunsmere. His teeth and gums screamed in pain. His stomach contracted with such ferocity that he started to retch. Then the pain was over. Dunsmere thanked Theos for the peace. What are you? The scribe said. The creature's skin sizzled in the rain. Dunsmere forced himself up and charged toward the smoldering scribe. The blade bit into the creature's arm. A scream of pain erupted from the scribe and a smile of delight to Dunsmere. I am the vengeance of Theos. Another explosion, this time from the heart of the camp. The chaos of the situation distracted Dunsmere. Stay, traitor, the scribe said with magically infused words. Dunsmere couldn't help himself. He was compelled. The command, the words, they were exactly what he needed to hear. And following the order, Dunsmere felt complete. The scribe was running into the camp to rally the troops, Dunsmere was sure. He felt delighted in staying exactly where he was. Another explosion. This time Dunsmere was on his back. The fat bellies of raindrops exploded on his face. His ears were ringing. Annabella stood over him, a shake of his head, and the last remnants of the spell fell away. Do you have the key? We need to go. Dunsmere held up the carved bone. We have to make our way to that stone and reopen the gateway. The general's tent was nothing but ashes and the remnants of canvas. The flames around the stone were dying under the heavy rainfall. Annabella handed him her bow and took the key. Cover me while I do this. His sister-in-law began to chant. Shadows began forming through the flames. Kai Totan approached. Dunsmere fired. One arrow, two, both found their mark. The shadows dropped out of view before they even entered his field of vision. The feelings of regret returned, but only for a moment. A chant once again pulled his focus. Dunsmere was not a Kai Totan, nor would he ever be. The sizzling scribe came through the walls of flames, its staff vomiting magical electricity. Hurry! Not helpful! Dunsmere fired an arrow at the sizzling scribe. It went wide. He knocked another one. That's it! Annabella cheered. Dunsmere fired his arrow as the lightning erupted from the staff, focused directly at him. A jerk at the back of his britches, and he was falling backwards. The magic energy shot overhead. Dunsmere was on his back and in the mud again. He saw buildings. Buildings he recognized. They were back in Tuck's Edge. Annabella said an esoteric phrase and the door collapsed. We better make our way back to the cathedral. Gonna guess that's where everyone is. 
Dunsmere stood, and the two walked through the mud toward the cathedral. Their movement was slow and silent. Without the threat of death, all there was to talk about was Baldo. So they said nothing. Halt! A voice behind them cried. They turned to see the mayor, Justin Finn, sitting on his horse. The poor creature's back strained under his girth. The mayor was disheveled. Two guards were on the ground flanking the rotund figure. Pray tell, Annabella, why would you be walking this demon into our town? To be continued. Thank you all for listening to What Happened at Tuck's Edge, Part 8. What Happened at Tuck's Edge was written, performed, and edited by Alexander Floyd. Dunsmere was created by Benjamin Floyd. Music from filmmusic.io. Unlight, Wretched Destroyer, Unsettling Theme, Our Story Begins, were all written by Kevin McLeod. Licensed under Creative Commons, Attribution 4.0, creativecommons.com, slash licenses, slash buy, slash 4.0.